Hello and welcome to Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space, the podcast intent on exploring all that science fiction and fantasy has to offer, one random movie at a time. My name is Joel. My name is Aaron. The movie this week was Escape from New York from 1981, directed by John Carpenter. I don't know if you've ever heard of this movie. I understand that it's not actually that popular. Nope, never heard of it before. Okay. <laughs> well, starred Kurt Russell, Lee Van Cleef, Ernest Borgnine, Donald Pleasance, Isaac Hayes, Harry Dean Stanton, Adrian Barbeau, and a bunch of other little character actors. Uh, what was it say for uh, Season Hubley? It said, like, special appearance by Season Hubley. <laughs> and she, she's the girl that gets pulled down, you know, a snake is about to mack on her, and then all of a sudden she gets pulled underground by some uh, cannibals or whatever. That poor woman. That's right. All she did was set up the world for snake, and then she got nothing but pulled down. I'm going to go off topic already. We haven't even reached the synopsis here. Just to say, there were three women in this movie. One okay. of them was being attacked by men who were ripping her shirt off. Okay, yes, yes. One of them was the person we just mentioned who unfortunately gets pulled underground. And the other one was Adrian Barbeau, who I think can do some just fine acting, but since she's got a chest the size of Manhattan itself, we don't actually get to see any of that acting in any of the movies she's in. She does suffer from, um, can you please, uh, you know, unbutton that shirt a little bit syndrome? That's Definitely. Right. Let's do it again, but, uh, yeah, why don't you take that other button off? Yeah, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Mr. Carpenter, you're on check. <laughs> yeah, Wes Craven did the same thing. Uh, anyway, let's do a little synopsis of this movie. Now, normally I have Aaron or the guest try to do the synopsis here. I'm going to synopsis this movie. Synopsize. I have invented a new word. It's called synops. Synops. I like that word. Because I keep saying it wrong. The story <laughs> of this movie is a the a plane is going down on the island of Manhattan, which has in this future of... Not, at first it's like 1988, right? Or something like that. Uh, it's yeah. declared that. And uh, when the movie starts, it's actually 1997 or, or somewhere around there. Plane goes down in the prison colony of Manhattan, where they put all of the criminals, there are no guards, the criminals are left to run the island as they see fit. This plane happens to have the president of the United States. They send in a team to go get them, but they, it becomes immediately apparent that an army is not going to be able to save him. I, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm going to interrupt you. I hate you. Because... <laughs> Because there's this scene in the plane where um, the the uh, people who have taken over the plane are reading off their list of demands. That is, yes. <laughs> and and the security guard is supposed to get into the room, right? But it, all all it looks like he's doing is just lightly tapping his gun on the door, like thunk, thunk, mm -hmm. thunk, and then turns around and he's like, "Sorry, sorry, the president of America, but I can't seem to get this door open." I think all he says is. They locked it. Yeah. Like, what do you... Of course they locked it. <laughs> that doesn't mean you can't break it down, man. Put your freaking back into it. Yeah, it looked like just like an everyday casual, you know, bump my shoulder into the door. Yeah. That was pretty great, though. She was, like, reading their that speech right off a piece of paper. Like, <laughs> the citizens of blah, blah, blah will no longer be. This is a, a killing blow against tyranny and... 
in my pants. No, they, they didn't say that part. <laughs> so, uh, uh, coincidentally, <laughs> just as this has happened, a uh, soldier of quite some renown happens to have been arrested for uh, crime. I don't think it becomes apparent what his crime was, but they're bringing him in. And they decide, well, they give him an ultimatum. They say, hey, we will set you free if you go in and get the president back for us. Also, you need to get this video, or not videotape, you need to get this cassette tape. But besides that, El Presidente. And if you do that, all of your crimes are erased. If you don't do that, then you're probably going to be dead anyways. But they also trick him, they put a little thing into his neck, he's going to die. Uh, Snake says, sure, that sounds great. And he skips his way onto a flying plane and goes in there and then chaos ensues. That about sums it up. Yeah. Is this movie post-apocalyptic in your opinion? Because I don't think I don't think there actually has been an apocalypse. I think it's just Well, you get the feeling that we're on the verge. Right. The, 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 the reason why Snake is going in to save the president is because he needs to be at a meeting. And this meeting is going to stop World War 7, 8, 4, whatever you want to call it. The next big world war from happening, from the nukes from being launched. So that's, that's his purpose. Well, at least, you know, the, the proposed purpose of putting a bomb in his neck is to make sure that he, he can, you know, stop World War 3 or 4 or 5. Yeah, it didn't seem like he would need to necessarily save the president if it was this cassette tape that was the important thing. I mean, we hear part of the cassette tape, and I don't really remember what they said on it. I should mention that I had never seen this movie before. Aaron, you've probably seen it a couple of times before. I've seen it it twice, I think, two or three times. Mm. Um, It's a great movie, man. It's a lot of fun. Post-apocalyptic, though, I'm going to have to say that, that that it isn't. Now, obviously, the, the 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 entire island of Manhattan is a prison colony now, which I'm going to have to say, that does sound pretty horrible, but I think that the world outside of this area is still in some somewhat of a social structure. They're still, you know, I don't think people are shooting people for gasoline yet, or at least, you know, <laughs> no. it's, not, it's, not, it's not perceived that it's gotten that bad yet. We never get a sense of the rest of the world. It really, I mean, you can, you can tell where the budget was in this movie, and it was uh, spent on, you know, the models that they had to do and the, the small amount of cast that they had. And uh, it... Mm-hmm. I mean, that stuff doesn't really matter anyways, because it's really about... This This movie is about atmosphere. I don't even feel like it's a movie about Snake Plissken, the main character. I feel like it's about creating a feeling of... Well, what is it? What is the word? I think the word is dread. Yeah. You're, you're walking... You, you, see, you see Snake Plissken walking through an empty Manhattan. He's just walking through the streets... There's broken cars, there's things that are on fire, and not a person in sight. Not a single person. Well, I mean, up until a certain point. But the thing, what this film does, is it gives you this sense of dread as you're walking down these streets. You know, at any moment, you know, someone might be able to jump out at him. You're not sure when. You're kind of, the whole time, though, I mean, even at that, if, if Manhattan itself had, had been active at that time, there would have been cars everywhere. There'd be people walking, drunks everywhere. But that's There's not the nobody. case in this. Yeah. It's empty, empty, empty. Which is uh, 
the opposite of the terrible sequel, which I had seen before this, which it, <laughs> that movie is just busy, full of people, uh-huh. guns going off, I guess, because that was supposed to be like, this is what Los Angeles is like. And frankly, other than a lot of guns going off, they, it is really busy and terrible and awful. But I mean, New York is is busy and terrible and awful when it comes to the amount of people and, and noise volume and smog and stuff like that. But this movie had like, you really felt like this was not New York anymore. This really was just an empty zone full of desperate people and who knows what's going to happen. And then you you get to meet these characters that are thriving in it, like uh, Ernest Borgnine playing a cabbie who... <laughs> <laughs> When you get when we got introduced to Ernest Borgnine sitting in that theater watching the the men do that like musical number, he is like shiny and he's the only one who's animated and he's like smiling. He looks like a pardon my French. He looks like a robot and it's <laughs> freaking. He's a freaky looking guy in this movie. I will agree with you that uh, for the most part, most of the people on this island don't want to be there. And it's very obvious, and, and, and great acting, by the way. A bunch of really disgruntled people. But you're right, uh, the cabbie, uh, it's just, he's great. He's happy to be alive, you know? Like you said, like a robot. He just has a smile on his face, like, the entire time. Like, um, uh, you know, Snake runs into him in, the, in, this, in this place, and, you know, they hop in his cab. And the entire time, he's just casually talking to him as he lights a, a modal of a cocktail and just throws it at a bunch of people, you know, a bunch of people. Like, yeah, you know, hey, how's it going? You know, like, and just tosses it. You know? He is the only one in this movie that smiles, except for uh, crazy Peter Pan-looking kid. I keep saying that oh, yeah, <laughs> in the very yeah. beginning we see this, like, punk guy who threatens them to get uh, the army away from uh, trying to take the president away. And I keep thinking he looks like he looks like one of the Lost Boys or Peter Pan, yeah. but I've brought that up several times and nobody seems to agree with me. I know, I see it. He, to- he totally looks like... Um... Uh, Rufio, I'd say, like, like, like <laughs> definitely the, the 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 weird white version of Rufio. Oh, he's yeah. a, he's a better actor than that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, besides Cabby, uh, when it comes to characters and Snake, who, uh, you know, Snake's a character. I I can't really delve into what Snake is like. I feel like just like in the movie. Snake is an idea that has been blown up into people's minds. And, you know, everybody's saying, like, you're Snake. I thought you were dead and all this stuff in the movie. The reoccurring line in this film, definitely. He, what is he? What, what, is, what is so... Well, well, Snake Plissken was supposed to be a, a, a war hero, mm-hmm. I believe. He, this, is, this is a man who, who's done several great things for our country. World War Three. Yeah, he's, he's listed as, as, a, as a dude... Who who was on the the president's list? I believe, and um, of it, hottest asses. More than likely, I mean, we we are talking about Kurt Russell here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <clears throat> but um, yes, uh, and now uh, apparently his 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 crime that is his undoing is that he breaks into either Fort Knox or some type of uh, uh, you know high risk uh, you know high security bank facility of some he just sort. Just wanted some gold. I think so. And that's what that's what sent him on this uh, this course of uh, uh, ending up on Manhattan Island. So All right. So he what makes him special is that he a doesn't seem afraid of anything. 
yes. B seems incredibly intelligent. Like, even though he's not afraid, he's not gung-ho about running into a situation. He is about stealth. He is about being quiet. He's about checking out what's going on before making his move and getting information that way. He he runs into several dead ends in the movie, but that does not stop him. He keeps on going. Like, he is determined. And... Even saying all those aspects of him, I feel like he his character was kept at a minimum so that we didn't feel like, you know, you couldn't tell him what his favorite color was. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. They, they did dehumanize him a bit, but I think that was so that, the, you know, he could do his job, you know? Right. The, the, the task at hand was surviving. He didn't want those bombs to go off. So, you know, I, I don't think we really had time to learn what his... Uh, favorite ice cream flavor was but uh which which by the way that would have been amazing <laughs> they mm-hmm. actually discussed that in the film just to hear with hear, hear kurt russell with that gritted tone i really like chocolate yeah. chip or you know something like if you don't have cookie dough i don't want any <laughs> yeah something like that <laughs> but you know uh, pointing out that he doesn't seem to actually have a character other than the traits that he's we are presented with that that doesn't take away from the movie because i feel Absolutely like the not. movie is not about snake Plissken escape from la it's about or ah, i said it no not not escape from la god new york, help new york. me help me it's okay Get man me some bleach so i can <laughs> pour it on my brain Don't it's not about it, snake Plissken escape from new york is what i was going to say it's about the escape from new york it is about what that place has become about the like i said the people occupying it about what's going on it's so cool yeah agreed it's just a really fun it's a fun action movie too and and i i love just the whole the whole scope of it just the whole thing is just so much fun from beginning to end um i don't know man just i love it it's a fun movie yeah so i am happy about this movie for one particular thing uh one particular actor you know i love kurt russell and i even like ernest borgnine a lot a lot i like let me let me say that again i like ernest borgnine but harry dean stanton is one of those hey it's that guy actors that you just can't he played brain in the movie oh brain okay yeah i was thinking like okay cool cool you see him and you've been seeing him for decades Mm. you know i I think that a lot of people who didn't know him had become familiar with him as the prophet from the tv series big love but he i haven't seen that show okay cool cool well that's because it's about your family uh (laughs) that's not true uh and, but he's been in so many things. He had a very small part in the Avengers movie when the Hulk uh, falls out of the Quinjet uh, and like lands. He's the janitor that's like cleaning up the stadium thing. Oh, he's no like, way. boy, you don't got no clothes or whatever he says. That's him, huh? Yeah, that's him. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. But, uh, he has that face then, man. He just has that face. You want to see a really good Harry Dean Stanton uh, performance in Repo Man uh, with the Emilio Estevez, mm-hmm. it's freaking, it's great. That movie is weird and great. Like, I awesome. hope we'll have to cover it. Yeah, we'll have to cover because it. Because it has science fiction. Well, I mean, if the the randomizer, you know. I don't want to talk about the randomizer. <laughs> I'm afraid of the randomizer. 
It's okay, Joel. It's okay. Anyways, just remember was... you have emotion. The randomizer doesn't. <laughs> randomizer, he didn't mean that. It's cold and heartless and no, chooses no, films for okay. us. That... No, no. Aaron, there's blood everywhere. <laughs> anyway, I didn't know he was in the movie, so I was super. It was super cool to see him just out of nowhere. And he has he has a pretty big part in this movie. He becomes one of Snake's kind of sidekicks. He goes along with it pretty well, you know, I guess because he thinks he's going to get off the island or something like that. Well, it, it goes along with the fact that almost every Snake is a is like a public character, you know, he's a public character in this in this dimension or movie, I guess, you know. He's known throughout everywhere and specifically Brain has worked with snake before their first conversation is about the 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 that one time that didn't go well right you know <laughs> you get the sense that they were in the war together or something yeah like that, right I, yeah i don't know if they specifically mentioned that they mentioned uh you know like just in distant memory i can't remember the name of, of the mission or or whatever they, they they gave brief detail that but basically just leads to the fact that you know we know each other mm-hmm. so you're gonna help me <laughs> you know kind of a yeah. thing <laughs> you and your girlfriend are gonna help me. I can't. I gotta do better. You, <clears throat> you and your girlfriend are gonna help. No, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> more yeah. solid snake than Snake Plissken, but I, I like it. <clears throat> Metal Gear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so Brain is one of the big. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton's character, Brain, is one of the big cheeses on the island. He's basically the right hand man of the Duke. Yes, the Duke of New York. The Duke who happens to have the president. Because, of course, he's with the Duke. Somebody even says that. The Duke has him. Everybody knows that. Which is That's funny. Cabby. Oh, Cabby says that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep... <laughs> about a week after we watched the movie, I watched the movie The Game. So for, I keep mixing up the part where... Uh, have you seen the movie The Game? No. There's a part where Michael Douglas like gets into a cab, and the cab driver drives really violently mm. and then he drives the cab into like the bay oh gosh and jumps out before it goes in there sure. michael douglas is like stuck in the back i was like that didn't happen in escape from new york <laughs> <laughs> a snake i'm sorry i have to do this to you car <laughs> Bam. That, movie, that movie sounds pretty fun too yeah. i gotta check that one out <laughs> so the duke is played by isaac hayes uh, I don't know. He doesn't really, you know, even though he's, everyone's talking about the Duke, the Duke, the Duke, he, d- he doesn't really seem to have that much of a big part. He doesn't, he doesn't pull off the presence that, 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 that they're building up for. Right. I mean, he, he seems, he seems like a harsh, but, but, uh, but, well, I guess just, um, uh, dictator. Uh, you know, the only reason my brain, I'm sure, is still alive is because he makes the gasoline. You know that that's the whole point behind him. You know, so basically everyone is reduced in this in this uh, Manhattan society is reduced to what can you do for the Duke essentially. Right. What gang are you a part of, and what can they do for the Duke? Also? Exactly. Unless you're one of the crazies, then you <laughs> you hit, steal girls. <laughs> you steal girls and you hit uh, manholes covers with <laughs> wrenches. <laughs> dink dink dink. Mm-hmm. That scene though, I mean, I know. 
that scene was amazing though. Like the amount of like foreboding that you got when that when that oh, crazy when part. that crazy was just running around and hitting yeah. hitting plates. You're like you you just get this insurmountable like feeling that like it's gonna get bad like real quick. On top of that, it, that scene is uh, directly proceeds where Snake has. Uh, he'd been using a health monitor type thing to track the president. It turned out that they had put it on just some random goober guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the president. And they, <laughs> he starts singing Hail to the Chief. It's like some Christmas. It's like uh, Hail to the Chief. He's singing some Christmas song, but with a Hail to the Chief. It's <laughs> pretty great. But after that, it's like he doesn't know. He communicates back with. Uh, Lee Van Cleef, who is the uh, like general type person who sent him in at the first place, uh, remind me to go back to Lee Van Cleef. No problem. But he doesn't have a lead, so he's just kind of walking down the road, trying to see maybe if he can find somebody he can ask about this or something like that. Somebody else he can hold the gun on, and that's when you first see that one crazy guy tapping on the manholes, and you're like, what? is going on that's what he's thinking you can see it on his face he's thinking what is going on and then they start coming out of the woodwork and he's running with them also like he's not it's almost like he's trying not to panic yeah he's just looking for a shelter real quick and he he does he ducks in and that's when we meet that girl for about two minutes and yeah it's really that's a really good scene because you don't know what's going on yeah, it's just it, the, it, like even with the build-up leading to that, where you, where where you don't see anyone, and then when you do see everyone, it's just like your 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 worst fears are confirmed that everyone's just flipping crazy, you mm-hmm. know. So so you know, way to go, John Carpenter. That was yeah, well played, well played in my opinion. About a month and a half ago, I had just watched uh, Attack on Precinct Thirteen. I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, it has a scene that's actually really similar to that because they're all hauled up in Precinct 13. And the gang, the multicultural gang that's attacking them... Sure, sure. ...is just like a, kind of like a zombie horde because there's tons of them and they just keep rushing in and stuff like that. It's kind of like the crazies. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's, I, I've, I've wanted to see that one. It's I just worth a watch. A chance. It's, got, it's got some really good performances. I, I wouldn't say it's a good movie, but uh, I'm a snob. So Lee Van Cleef, I'm familiar with his Western work. You know, I, I've, <clears throat> I, I think I've only seen like two movies he was in. Uh, I've seen The Good and the Bad and the Ugly, of course, and uh, Take a Hard Ride, which was kind of a black exploitation Western type thing. Which oh, that sounds kind of fun, though. It's very enjoyable, very enjoyable. <laughs> but, but I didn't recognize him mm. because I. I mean, he, he does kind of have kind of a distinctive face or anything like that, yeah. but I, I've just never... First of all, I don't think I've actually ever heard his real voice, because I'm pretty sure he was dubbed over in both of those movies by okay. somebody else, because it was Italian stuff. Okay. And second of all, it's, you know, he's older. Yeah. All this stuff like that, but, I, like, I like him. I like Lee Van Cleef a lot. You know, it, I think I think I'm gonna send him a note that says, "Do you like me?" And say, "Yes, no, maybe." See, see what I get back. What do you think? Is that a chance? I think you do, man. All right, just gotta find that address. Mm-hmm. One one one. I'm not alive anymore. Street. Oh. <laughs> Rest in peace, man. What were you gonna say? 
Oh, I was just gonna say I haven't. Uh, this is the only film I've seen him in, and you know, like sure, sure he wasn't he wasn't very uh, menacing or foreboding to begin with, but uh, you know later on in the film, you know, you definitely get the sense that this guy can run. You know, he 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 is obviously top dog here, and people are definitely willing to listen to him as he rules with an iron fist. Yeah, totally. Wait, what? Van Cleef, right? Oh, he comes. He's weird. I yeah. don't know what his thing is because when he shows up on the base, he's like comes out of a limousine. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And he's not there for what's going on with the president's plane either. He just like it's almost like he just happens to be showing up. Yeah, it's just extra fluff at the beginning of the movie. Sure, sure. So, I feel like we're running long on this already, uh, <laughs> but I still there's so many things I want to I talk know. about. Like I want to talk about the special effects. And how I love old school special effects. I love so that much they fun. had to use models. Yes. And like that whole computer grid thing where it was supposed to be the city where it was just like they had made a model and painted it green in that. Yeah, oh. and just ran the camera across the top of it. Oh, so beautiful. Good. They were still doing that in like Hackers. Oh, really? There's like a scene where they're like going through the mainframe and it's sure. stuff like that. And it's it's like a painted a model. A physical model? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I want to see we... Hackers again. Oh, this movie's better than Hackers. Oh, obviously this movie's way better than Hackers, but... <laughs> Although this movie was sorely missing some Matthew Lillard. That's, you know... <laughs> I gotta get my fix. <laughs> uh, like uh, the, the president's plane in the beginning, you know, obviously yeah. a model and... The, the the glider the that glider, he yeah. goes into that's freaking the pod great. too the the the, mm-hmm. the the bright orange protect the president pod yeah. you know that was yeah well done really well None done of that like I just I wish practical was still the way like a cheaper way to do things I realize that cost concerns yeah. and uh, contracts with digital companies are what rule what kind of effects are on there but. When when Snake is walking by the wreckage of Air Force One, it's like I feel like I could reach in and feel that set. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it wasn't an explosion or anything like that. They didn't need any of that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that wasn't, even though this movie is kind of like famous for being the action movie, it is, it's not, it's all quiet and slow like we've been saying and... There's a reality to all the sets that is just not a thing anymore. Yeah, and definitely, I feel that unfortunately, a lot of a lot of the computer generated stuff definitely you lose that feel, that tactile feel. But I mean, if there are a few directors that 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 find fusion, um, you know, I think Del Toro can can definitely use a lot of practical. And and still use some CGI and. Well, you saw that amazing Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, that's, yeah, that was a, a awesome combination of practical and special and uh, and computer or whatever the digital. Yeah, I digital. Called. Like some of the things that they did, a stunt work on is like no, I don't think people would do that anymore. It's cheaper to do a cgi of course when it comes down to like insurance costs or potential uh danger to people's lives and stuff like that and i understand you know people shouldn't die on movie sets but we did kind of lose something yeah it's true but you know what i love this movie 
<laughs> like, Escape from New York is really fun. And uh, I hope uh, I hope that you, the listener, also get that feeling from this. Just because it's, it's, it's just, it's way fun. I get and the feeling. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely just stop what you're doing. Go to Netflix. Just watch it. It's I, amazing. Yeah, I get the feeling that the, the kind of people that will listen to this uh, particular episode are the kind of people that do like this movie. That's why I would be... Let's... Let us do something. Here's a warning. <laughs> We're going to talk about anything negative about this movie that we can think of. Now... Okay. Like I, at, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, there were only three women in this movie, and Correct. they didn't really seem to be of any importance. Adrian Barreau has a bunch of lines, but they could have left her character out. Well, I mean, it was even even Cabby, who knows apparently everything about the island of Manhattan, uh, was just like, oh, that's that's brain squeeze. Mm-hmm. So like, Adrian Barbone is already just there because the because Duke the, gave it to her. Yeah, yeah her so she's an object already. You know, it's already established. Um, let's see, the guy's pawing at that girl, she was just an object for that scene, too. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, it's, it's you just... know, one of those little gross things, but it also kind of set the atmosphere, like, it, it, you have to wonder how women would even get to this island, I mean, someone yeah. must be smuggling them in, I, I really doubt this is a cohabitated, uh, agreed, prison. Though, though the, the, the lady that uh, Snake just met out on the street seemed, you know, she seemed like this is just where she, she lived, you know? Like, it, it didn't seem like she was a prisoner, you know? Yeah, I wonder if there were just people who got left behind, because I don't... I think like, so. What did Cabby do? He said he'd been driving that for years and years. So he probably just didn't leave when, when the whatever evacuation happened, <laughs> or, what, or or even if there was, or if there wasn't an evacuation, you know? It'd be really funny if they knew that was going to happen, and he, like, committed a crime so that he could stay there or something. You know, I could see him doing that, yeah. just to, just to uh, continue being the Cabby of Manhattan. So, those are the only women... Uh, when it comes to love interest, I, I really think the love interest in this movie was Cabby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, no, because... Spoiler, when Cabby gets uh, shot, uh, that's the only time Snake really seems kind of torn up about what happened. And uh, the end of the movie is kind of a direct, like, this one's for you, Cabby. Yeah, it was it was the causation for yeah. what, he, what he decided to do. You're right. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> wow, I'd never made that connection before. Wow. Yeah, so sometimes love just happens on the, <laughs> on the battlefield. <laughs> so what else? I mean, is there anything else really? If I could be critical of this film in any way, what would what would be the thing? Um, that Donald Pleasance is a British man who can't hold his accent. He's the guy who played the president. Oh, yeah, yeah. He seemed he seemed rather not American. That's true. He doesn't uh, really say very much in the movie, so not. It's not really a big deal. I'm just literally just trying to find things to nitpick about. I, I can't. I can't. And maybe it's just because I'm too close to the film, Joel. I don't know. No, I'm too close to it. I think that the bigger you think about the world that it contains, the more questions you're going to have that aren't going to be able to be answered. But just thinking of it in the context of what we saw and what we know you can't really complain about the movie you either enjoyed what happened or you didn't yeah um i know that some would criticize john carpenter's soundtrack 
uh, oh, yeah. skills. But I'm going to say, I am going to defend it, though, even though this is our critique moment. Listen. Because I flippin' love his one key synthesizer, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, Aaron. I, I like John Carpenter's soundtracks. I like to listen to them outside of the movie. Now, this one, the soundtrack to the entire movie had some great parts to it. But there were a lot of single note <laughs> things that he was just holding on to that kind of felt like, mm, you didn't have to do anything here, man. You could have left that out. <laughs> it's not, I mean, that's not really complaint. Like, the soundtrack is essential to what the movie is. It, it's part of what makes the movie... Yeah, you get that sense of foreboding from it, mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, no, you're right, though. I'm okay, I'll be realistic. If I have to critique anything, definitely the single the single note scenes are just kind of like, just hit, the, hit another key, man. Just... Scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's about it, though. That's all I can really critique on it, though. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. You tried your best. I understand. I don't need anyone to spit on this movie, and I don't think it needs to be spit on. Uh, if you don't like it, you don't like it. It's not a big deal. If you do like it, you do love it. I totally understand that, too. It's all cool around here. Yeah, man. Put down the gun. Okay. It's just a podcast. Oh, you're just cleaning the gun? Well, good for you, sir. <laughs> So, uh, we are going to fire up the old randomizer here. Alright. And, uh, this time... Well, okay, here's the knobs. We're right. going to try not to do anything that's going to cause ourselves physical... Ow! Ow! Joel, what are you, what are you doing? What? Why did I replace the buttons with needles? It seemed like a good idea at the time. You must have been watching them Hellraiser films or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pinhead. You're a pinhead. <laughs> All right. Okay, so... Oh, oh, okay. So once you took your finger off the needle there, yeah. it slid back into the machine and made some noises. Whoa, that's kind of gross. It looks like it needed my blood to activate. Oh, uh, oh man. This thing is getting weird. Okay, uh, the movie it gave us was Jungle Book. From 1942, directed by Zoltan Korda. This is going to be our first fantasy movie. Ah. Because I don't think they have any sort of robots in Jungle Book. But I could be wrong. We'll have to see. I, I actually have seen this movie before. I shouldn't pretend like I haven't. I, I watched it uh, when I was going through... Um, what happened? My mother got me a collection of uh, free movies from like oh. a, a DVD collection thing. It was... It's called, like, The Great Movies, and it's mostly, like, TV movies with a couple of other things that are cool. just uh, don't belong to any company. Yeah, it seems like an old-timely film. Yeah, it's pretty good. Cool. I think we'll have fun. Well, I'm looking forward about to it. it. Thank, thank you, uh, Randomizer. For... Yes. <laughs> and please, don't take any more of my blood. Especially not while I'm sleeping. So we oh. will be handling that. Jungle Book 1942 next week. Until then, I'd just like to say that Escape from L.A. is a bad, bad movie. <laughs> but we watched Escape from New York, so I should Yay. stop talking about it. <laughs> Thank you for listening. My name is Joel. And my name's Aaron. And we see you next time. Bye. Bye.